Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome to Footnotes here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. You can also catch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. I'm obviously not Kevin Foote because Footsie, who routinely does not check social media or, I don't know, listens to the radio for traffic reports, is stuck in traffic that's backed up there on the Evangeline Thruway. And uh, I'll, I'll try to do my best to hold things down until Foot gets here. But right now, not being able to host his own show is pop on. Cat, the traffic is crazy, Cat. The traffic is crazy, Cat. I can't believe I can't get to my own show, Cat. It's Paul Bon. Not good. It's not good. Why do you like me being stuck in traffic, Cat? Maybe a little bit of that and a little bit of this. We do have a guest lined up for footnotes. Whether or not Kevin will actually interview said guest remains to be seen. But UL men's basketball coach Bob Marlin will be joining us at 1030 Scheduled for 10.30 this morning here on this hump day edition of Footnotes with Kevin Foote, who remains stuck in traffic. I'm sure he's not pleased with himself. I'm sure he's frustrated, and he may be mumbling to himself and to others while stuck in traffic. Of course, if you want to talk to me subbing in for Kevin until he gets here, we'd love to hear from you. All joking aside, 337-706. 0111. I'll try to do my best. Obviously, I'm not Kevin. I don't have, you know, blood pressure issues that require medication. I'm not going to scream about the Saints at you or with you, but love to hear from you nonetheless. Busy night last night in the world of sports. LSU men's basketball team, they go on the road to take on Kentucky, their second straight game against a ranked opponent in SEC play. They beat Arkansas in the opener at home. They fall short last night against Kentucky, but they're showing a lot of heart. Matt McMahon is doing a nice job in his first season. His guys are bought in. They don't do anything fancy. They don't do anything enormously special. They're just a well-coached basketball team, and they're getting the job done as they only fell by three points last night at Rupp Arena against the Kentucky Wildcats. But as good as news as that was for Hoops fans here in the state, bad news coming out of New Orleans in regards of Zion Williamson. The Pelicans all-star, the face of the franchise, a guy who had been taking his game to another level this season, finally growing up, playing like a man, taking over the court, every time he stepped foot on it, and helping lead this team while Brandon Ingram, fellow All-Star, had been out with a toe injury, came up gimpy in the Monday night loss to the Philadelphia 76ers. 
We suspected it was a hammy. Sure enough, it is. He has a strained hamstring. He will be reevaluated in three weeks, which means the Pelicans are going to be out. We're going to get going to be without Zion Williamson for an extended period of time. So Zion on the shelf. LSU men's basketball team comes up just a little bit short on the road. And of course, a big week for Raging Cajun Athletics as the men's basketball team will be taking on Southern Miss Thursday night inside the Cajun Dome and then Georgia State Saturday night. They're going to be looking to get back on track after back-to-back losses to start Sunbelt Conference play. And of course, Kevin or yours truly will talk to Bob Marlin about that and about the state of the team coming up at 1030 on today's edition of Footnotes. But it's time for us to head out to the hotline and welcome on someone who's always so supportive of Kevin and never pokes the bear, our good friend Paul. Paul, good morning to you, bud. Happy New Year. How you doing, brother? Likewise. I'm doing all right. Oh, man, what y'all have going on today? I was listening to you this morning. Okay, you got a lot going on. Let's see. Miss Hannah still eats disgusting. <laughs> but I said I'm going to try it, but I don't see how that's going to work. She put Tabasco and the shredded cheese on there. She told me, okay, I'm going to try it. Okay, all right. I'm, if it is nasty, you know, I will tell you. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. You know the hotline number by heart, brother, so yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So then I hear we the callers. Every time y'all would talk about these food things, about food, the questions. First of all, I got a great thing with Jamie, as well as Miss Hannah. I agree with um, the cheese on the um, spaghetti and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I got to agree with that. It's almost like lasagna and pizza. You got to, I mean, you can put Parmesan. You don't put that that cheddar in American. You you okay. That's how I look at it. You know. All right. Now, foot is stuck in traffic. <laughs> And, and this man, I know I, I get road annoying. Some people get road rage. I get road annoying in traffic. And I know that man hates traffic, so he is highly pissed right now. Oh, he hates. Paul, Paul, our guy hates traffic. Literally, yeah. we'll be driving. And we, we, he and I have done so many road trips together. And we'll be driving, and he'll see an 18-wheeler down the road. And he'll be like, he'll just turn to me and be like, Cat, why is that 18-wheeler in my way? Why is that 18-wheeler like being in my way? I got to go. I got to get where I'm going. Why is he in my way? Doesn't he know I got to go where I need to go? Cat, why is he in the way? And I'm like, I'm like, bud, uh, bud that 18-wheeler is two miles away. Where, why, why are you working yourself up already? Is it is two miles away. Hey, I told you about a few years ago, at least once a day, once a week, you should tell a foot story. Oh, I got plenty of them now. Because trust me, I'll never forget about the one in the hotel room. Oh, <laughs> yeah, where, where, where he alarmed the maid so much that she thought we should call the authorities? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And he was going crazy in there. Yes. 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 Uh, he's, I, I love him to death. He's a maniac. He actually texted me earlier, Paul, and he's like, he goes, Cat, uh, why are you putting obstacles in my way to get to, my, to, to the station? it's always somebody it's always why you doing this why you doing this cat no 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 one's doing that something's wrong with that man we see this is the test right here to see about his new 20 you know in 23 what changed on foot i'm pretty sure nothing changed but we're gonna find out today everybody have something you know i'm gonna stop this they're gonna change this in 23 
Let's see when he come in what changes. <laughs> oh, he has arrived. The prodigal son oh. has stepped into the studio space. <laughs> oh, bud, pull up a chair, bud. We'll get you another microphone. Huh? We got we got Paul right here. We got, we, we got Paul right here. He he believes that you're going to be nice, calm, and cool, and collected. Oh, we know Stressed that ain't out true. More like it. <laughs> I'm just not. I hate traffic. <laughs> there it is. There I just is. hate traffic. You hate traffic. I'm not built for traffic. No, you, but you're not built for a lot of things. I've been staring at Bubba Ostelet in the back of a vehicle in front of me for the last half hour. 23 is 23. The year 23. Got to make great changes. Unbelievable. I get. Is it illegal to drive on curves? Yes, it's illegal to drive on curves. <laughs> well, I had to try something. The only one that can drive on the curb is the popos. Oh my god. Oh my god. I wasn't the only one, I guess, being oh, illegal. Paul, Paul, we appreciate your phone call. We're yeah, gonna try to get yeah, some I'm order here, bud. That man crazy. Yeah. I have I'm, a blessed one. You have a blessed one too, bud. It's going great, guys. Woo! You're here, bud. Yeah, I'm eight. <laughs> You're here. Well, see, I always go on I ten. I never have a problem. And I'd heard that they had an issue on 49 yesterday, and so I was yeah, going to turn yeah. off before the actual throughway exit and okay. go the back way, but I can't even get there. <laughs> can't even get there. I mean, it was backed up. You know, I, I normally get on on Scott. <laughs> uh, should have just taken it university was, come the back way, bud. Well, yo, but I, I always go, you know, I drop Russ off at school, and then I, I connect and – I-10 and Scott every day. There you go. That did not happen today. That well, did. No, no. <laughs> I connected, but it was a parking lot. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you're here. Me too. I'm glad you're here. Hey, coming up, we're going to take a timeout because Cokie Riley is coming from the Daily Advertiser. He covers the LSU Tigers. <laughs> Kevin's going to talk to him. And then, of course, Bob Marlin slated for 1030 Raging Cajun men's basketball coach we got to take a timeout. but when we return it will be kevin foot yes by himself the man the myth the absolute blood pressure medicine taking legend right here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station and your home for the lsu tigers and the world series champion houston astros Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Or welcome in with me and to footnotes. What I love is smooth flowing traffic, which we did not get this morning. And so uh, I was trying to relax a little more in this new year and we're off to not a good start on the relaxing thing because that was a very stressful situation all right let us fortunately which will make today easier as we have with us Koki riley who covers lsu for the daily advertiser and um and gannett how how are you sir 
Doing really well. Um, I hope your morning's on a stressful moving forward, Kevin. Yeah, I just got here a little late because it was a traffic jam. And, and I, you know, you're from a bigger city, so you probably used to it. I, I just don't – I've just never been one who's really calm and, and handles traffic jams very well. I mean, I, I, I have to say I'm probably not either. <laughs> I, I, you know, um, I, I think it all sort of depends on PR. But, uh, yeah, I mean – Living here in Baton Rouge is just a, a lot of traffic for a city that isn't like you know right. the size of New York City necessarily. So um, I've been used to it. I, I I I agree. All right, so we haven't spoken in a while because of holidays and conflicts, scheduled conflicts, and all. So let let let's go back a little further back. Like, are what what were your general impressions of the? LSU signing class as it goes into the offseason and and man they you know they got all the way to 25 yeah no absolutely um it, it was definitely a a, a a pretty successful signing class for LSU um 25 signees um at least in the early period uh they did a very good job adding depth and fortifying the offensive line moving forward um they added a hey, they had a very key uh, that had a whole bunch of safeties. Had a very key cornerback in JV and Toviano. Um, he's a top 60 recruiter in the nation. Uh, they added to their already deep wide receiver core with um, Jalen Brown and Shelton Sampson Jr. Uh, yeah, I mean, what the, what this recruiting class does is it helps reset the table with their roster moving forward. It gives them more more scholarship depth and scholarship talent, a bunch of key positions, and just generally overall. And uh, they're definitely they're definitely you know looking at this roster moving forward in, a, in, a, in like a healthier, uh, much more stable place. It's always good to get a win, but the bowl game the bowl game was just, I mean, just uh, I mean it. It's fun to win, but it's fun. It's not. Is it really fun to win sixty three to seven in a bowl game? I mean, that's supposed to be like an early September rent a win kind of a score. Um, it seemed like it was fun for the players. I think they enjoyed going to celebrate with the Chiefs at mascot and getting all those interceptions and having some guys who don't get a ton of opportunities have them uh, come into the game and uh, really succeed. A guy like Clyde Wilson getting a 99-yard interception return for a touchdown. Um, I, I think in maybe in general when uh, it, it that sort of score is expected to be as much of a blowout, it's maybe not quite as fun, but Oh, I, I feel like the guys had fun at least. Um, so maybe that counts for something. You know, this was kind of the last hurrah, and it being it being the last game of the season, I, I think that was um, kind of a unique circumstance for this. For this game. All, all right. So, what do you make of you hearing all these rumors about potential coaching changes and all like like what what do you make of all that? Um. I mean, as Brian Kelly said, um, every every coach and every support staff support staff member within this program there is in good standing with him and with the university. Um, he was very defiant uh, when asked uh, sort of about some of these rumors, um, and and I don't know how much I can say other than that, um, and. Uh, I, I, I will say there's been just a, a general 
increase in discipline with this program moving forward, um, at least compared to where it was, or at least seemingly was in the Ed Orgeron era. Um, I did not cover the team during the Ed Orgeron era, but you can only imagine some of the stuff that was successfully reported that it just wasn't as tight of a ship um, as it's been under Brian Kelly. And I, I think you can sort of see that out in the field. I mean, LSU obviously looked extremely, um, I guess, over tease the first game against Florida State, but obviously they really tightened it up and got the 10 wins. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's that's about everything I can say. All right. So if you had to guess – the th- the top three quarterbacks right now. Do you, what, what chances would you give that all three will be there come the opener next year? Um, I'd say extremely low, if not if not zero percent, just because I wouldn't. If Garrett Nussmeyer comes out of spring not as the starting quarterback, or even Jane Daniels, I can't see why they would stick around, especially when there's that second transfer portal window opening up in May, uh, it's, it, it doesn't make a, a ton of sense when both of those guys could pretty easily be starting starting quarterbacks, starting Power 5 quarterbacks heading into the next season. And when um, in, in, and I don't think it's worth for them to sort of wait around and, and see, oh, I can of potentially winning the job moving forward when that opportunity is just sitting right in front of them. It's not like they have a ton of eligibility, at least in Nussmeier's case, and and especially in Daniels' case, of course. So my guess is that Daniels holds on, holds on to the job um, after spring. Uh, Nussmeier eventually enters the portal. Um, I think he you know, maybe kicks the tires on staying with the team in the spring. Um, but... Uh, goes to the spring, enters the portal, and then you have Ricky Collins and uh, Walker Howard as backups. And I don't think that's a terrible scenario for LSU. I mean, you'll have a returning starting quarterback to go along with a former borderline five-star, four-star redshirt freshman behind him and Walker Howard, who's definitely talented. So it's... I think LSU is kind of in a win-win situation here with the quarterback room. Oh, no question. I I just think, and it's not just an LSU issue. There are schools all over the, and potentially even here at at UL, and there's schools all over the country with similar type quarterback situations. The thing that's interesting to me in the decision-making process is, does is or is that mean that the spring, and it seemed like the spring would be pretty important for for a quarterback. Like, like if you're going to transfer. It seems like you're putting yourself a little bit behind the eight ball if you're if you do it later because you didn't go through spring and learning the new offense and the new coaches and all. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, but I, I guess if you're Nussmeyer, and maybe this explains why he hasn't entered the portal yet or won't until he goes through the spring, is he still has a legitimate chance to, you know, still do it here at LSU, and I think you'd rather. Um, win the job and and um, and you know get that opportunity here at LSU because um, I, I think the last couple of games we look at the SEC championship game how well he played in that second half I mean splitting the reps this past week I think getting those opportunities shows that it's not like the coaching staff doesn't like them you know um, they're open to the possibility and uh, of him potentially you know taking over the job if if need be, or if there's injury to Daniels, he would be the guy, and I don't think LSU would be sweating too much. So 
Um, I think Daniels is the number one quarterback, as as Brian Kelly said, but I do think the margin is close enough that if Daniels was bad for a week or two, even if it was just in practice, then Nussmeyer could, would, would take over the mantle, and I don't think LSU would be sweating about it too much. All right, so we'll shift gears a little bit to basketball. And, you know, we've talked all this season, our LSU's football schedule team, and it, and it, and it happened. I mean, they, they, they were ahead of schedule because, you know, they mm-hmm. went into the season just full of question marks, and, and, you know, they finished, they did double-digit wins. Fabulous. Well, I think it was very similar with a lot of question marks going in to the basketball season, and, man, have they answered a lot of them already. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think that during non-conference play, this this it seemed like this LSU basketball season could be heading for maybe not a disaster, but um, it, but it, it felt like a rebuilding year for sure. I mean, this team was struggling to beat um, pretty like fairly meager mid-major competition, um, and it, it just didn't just didn't seem like they had enough. They end up horses on offense, and the pieces weren't coming together perfectly necessarily. But in these last two games, they've shown this LSU team has shown that they're going to be they're they're probably going to be a contender for March Madness for the rest of the season. I, the, he had the Arkansas win. Um, I understand Nick Smith was hurt for this for that game and is still out for that Arkansas team, but he's been out for Arkansas for most of the season, and Arkansas is still. Um, a top 15 team in the country, at least their, their defense is excellent. They beat that team. And in this Kentucky game last night, I mean, I, I, I was watching on my, on my trip back um, from Orlando. It was, um, it, it was a very, it was a pretty impressive performance. I thought, you know, Kentucky's not a perfect team, but they're, they're definitely going to make the tournament. They're definitely a top 25 team in the nation. They're, um, they're, they're they're definitely more talented, at least on paper, than this LSU team. And LSU, regardless, hung hung right in there with them. Um, I thought. Uh, I mean, KJ Williams was excellent in this game, and I think their defense has become more and more solid as the season has gone along. Uh, I, I think if the season ended today, they're pro- they probably wouldn't be a tournament team at the moment, just because they really only have the Arkansas win, and they had such a such a. Uh, Vanilla and, and fairly easy non-conference schedule, but I, I, does it, this team still has plenty of time to prove it, of course. And um, I, I think they're definitely heading in the right direction at the moment. So you know, it seemed like they went toe to toe with Kentucky. You look at the box score, and all the stats were about even. You had you had multiple guys, what four guys in double figures, and so. Um, I guess rebounding is a little bit of an issue, but 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 really the um, you know I don't know that you could have asked much more for the for the first two SEC games. And so, what would be your biggest question mark moving forward in terms of can they sustain this against a good SEC schedule to be able to you know to finish strong? To me, it's the offense and does this team have enough scorers and can they play good enough? even team offensive ball to, you know, consistently put together a, a rel- at least relatively dangerous SEC offense. Um, because they have Adam Miller who takes a lot of shots and isn't terribly efficient with taking those shots, but he has the talent to be more efficient. They have KJ Williams, who is one of the better players in the SEC. So you don't really have to worry about him. 
and Trey Hannibal's really stepped up in recent weeks and uh, recent games, I should say. And he, he was he wasn't quite as good as he was against Arkansas the week before. I thought he passed out too many opportunities at the rim last night, but um, still showed that he's going to be tough to stay in front of with that sort of bowling ball mentality to the rim. Uh, but outside of those two or three guys, they don't have a ton of consistent scoring options. And um, if if a team takes away one or two of Williams, Hannibal, and and Miller, they're they're they have trouble scoring points. So I, I'm sort of curious to see like can they generate enough offense, especially in the half court, um, to win games. I think their defense has been pretty solid. They don't make a ton of mistakes on the rotations. They're not like they're not going to absolutely hound you and, and, and sort of swallow you up with, with their size and length. They're not Arkansas, but um, they're solid, and they're going to make um, like any mediocre to bad SEC offense uh, uh, look look that way, and they're going to make even the good some of the good ones sweat. So. Um, I, I think if they can kind of get their half-court offense uh, sort of rearranged a little bit and, and definitely improve their rebounding, I don't think their rebounding is a disaster. Like, I mean, the last two weeks, they've just played very – just bigger and more athletic teams than they are, and they're going to struggle in the glass because of it. But um, still, an improvement there would help for sure. But I, I just think their half-court offense needs to find some sort of rhythm. It just seems like McMahon has just really been exactly what this program needed to kind of restore some stability and respect and all that. It just seems like he's been perfect for this program right now, where it is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, McMahon, he's a steady hand. He pays attention to detail. Um, he's not um, he's not boisterous like a guy like Will Wade, but he just sort of – Shows up every day and tries to get the get the job done. I don't think he's a. Uh, I don't think it's terribly complex and, um, like you said, maybe that's what LSU needs right now. Yeah, I, I think I, I think it's um, it it it, it was a, it was seems like it was a perfect choice and, and you know. Lately, I mean, I hadn't seen a whole lot of defense, you know, and so it it it's good to see them playing defense because that's something that that can um, we always say it travels, but I also think that it allows you to win ugly games like they were able to win against Arkansas, where you don't have to shoot great and still win the game, and that that that's refreshing to see. Absolutely, absolutely. All righty, sir. Well, I appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much for stabilizing me. I came in rushing in and high <laughs> blood pressure, and you've kind of allowed me to kind of relax a little bit. So we appreciate your time very much. I uh, thank you. It was my pleasure. Thanks uh, for having all me, right, on, Kevin. All right, Koki Riley of the USA Today Network. And no, I, I think, um, man, it is obviously New Year and. Basketball just seems like it's just getting started. I mean, well, conference play is just, you know, a week into it. And then, you know, we're only a month away from college sports. I mean, a college spring sports starting. Crazy, 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 crazy. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back, kind of start, kind of start over, sort of. On the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And you're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. 
Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Want to remind you to join the game clubhouse where you could win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort as well. Or a $40 gift certificate to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, as well as a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Any of these great prizes and others that come up occasionally, you can't win if you don't become a member of the Game Clubhouse. So go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. It's free, it's simple, so sign up today. All right, so it's been an unusual start to the show. Um, if you weren't around around a half hour or so ago, I was caught in traffic unusually. Um, I guess I'll have to take a little different route for a few days until I can get a little confidence that that's not going to happen again because my blood pressure just, eh, I, don't, I don't need that right now. So we got to have to figure a different way to, to handle this situation. I'm still sitting there this morning shaking my head, and Russ says, what's wrong? I said, Mark Ingram, Russ, Mark Ingram. But, um, um. He, he didn't know what I was talking about. But um, so I don't know if there was a lot of updates. I did hear an interview or a clip of an interview with um, DeMar Hamlin's uncle where he said that he had to be revived again at the hospital. So everything was not totally well once they left the field in the ambulance. And so that's a little bit scary. So we'll continue to. To wait for news on that, I don't think, when I left the show yesterday, I don't think we had heard for sure yet that the NFL had said that, that they're not going to replay the game this week. And I don't I don't know that they're going to be replayed. And I think it's just, it's probably going to cost the Bills the number one seed. But like we said yesterday, depending on what happens this weekend, but um, I, I don't think they're going to care. I don't think they're going to complain. I mean, it's just... You know, they're they're not worried about that, and so they're not going to worry about it. They're just you know, it, 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 whenever they have to play, they're going to try to play it. It's it's just going to be really strange, you know, to see how they respond, what kind of focus they have. I mean, it's going to be. I, I wouldn't want to be an official for a Bills game right now. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want to be. I, it, you know, there's so, moving forward, all of this is going to be really strange. Um, so we'll see what happens. And that process starts on Saturday because the Chiefs uh, play the Raiders on Saturday. Now, you know, the Raiders have actually played. They haven't won all these games, but they've actually played pretty well. I mean, when they went toe-to-toe with the Cheaters, um. With Stidham, so with Jared Stidham, so you know they have played pretty well, really since the Saints debacle game. I mean, you know, 
that game was just bizarre. I mean, the Saints just crushed him. And, and a lot of times you, you'll, you'll play a team that's equal to you or maybe a little better than you on paper, and you'll have this great first half. Like, other than Andy Dalton's interception late in the first half, the Saints played pretty – you know, it wasn't perfect, nothing's perfect, but they played really well. enough. They clearly outplayed the Eagles in the first half. And so – you know, it's like I always say, I'm 13 to nothing, and people are like, well, what are you worried about? You're up 13 to nothing. I was like, oh, here we go again. You, you just, it doesn't matter whether you're up 13 to nothing. It means nothing. It's how, it's how you play in the game and, and, they, and the opportunities that you take advantage of or don't take advantage of. And, and so I had this feel. Eventually, the Eagles were going to make a run in the game and make some big plays in the game, and, of course, they did, and fortunately – the, the Saints got the big turnover, the pick six, and were able to 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 seal the win. But in that in that Raiders game, it never happened. The Raiders never made a run. They just got their face crushed for four quarters. But since then, the Raiders have played pretty well. Now they haven't won them all that many games, but they've played pretty well. So and remember, they really outplayed the Chiefs twice last year. Now, that was different coaching staff and all that. I get that. But they played pretty well against the Chiefs, to be fair. So it would not – I say all that to say it would not shock me if the Raiders beat the Chiefs on Saturday. That really would not shock me that much at all. Now, um, I don't know. I don't know how good Jared Stenham really is. And if he can, can, can continue to play at that level, who knows. But um, it wouldn't shock me if they do. But if they do win – and Buffalo wins, then, you know. But, again, it is what it is. And and, and I don't think the Bills are going to worry about it. You know, they're going to try to play and try to win. And if they win Sunday, then they're going to play whatever they have to play. But, really, the, a week off would probably do them a lot of good. So, there's not that many people that pull for the Raiders. I mean, they have their fan base, but a lot of people realize that they're, you know, been an evil organization for a long time. And so, um, but there's going to be a lot of people pulling for the Raiders against the Chiefs. And the Chiefs have become this little powerhouse, so a lot of people who are underdog kind of people get tired of hearing about the Chiefs are going to pull against them anyway. You know, me and a lot of other people tend to pull for the underdog if it's not our our team. Um, so a lot of people would be pulling against the Chiefs anyway. But I think there's going to be really a lot of people pulling against the Chiefs on Saturday. So the Bills, if they win, could get the number one seed and and kind of and move forward uh, and get the week off, and we'll see what happens. I mean, what a this is just just a crazy, crazy, crazy finish for sure. And we'll, we'll 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 see how it happens. Yesterday was strange because we didn't do you know we talked a little bit about the games, uh, didn't talk a great deal about them because obviously the focus was on Hamlin and his family and that situation. And uh, I had never I had not seen a picture of his mom until yesterday and saw a little clip of him uh, with his mom and maybe his uncle or something from a previous game or a pregame in a previous game. Um, and obviously, you know, that's been a tough situation for them. But hopefully things are looking up and we just continue to hope that, you know, that that, that you get good news. I, You know, I've heard some talk and, and there was a gentleman that called yesterday about 
what do I think that, you know, what's going to happen from here on out? I've heard some talk about football and protocols and, you know, could this change the rules for anything? But but I, I just, I think most people are looking at this more as a fluke than a serious issue with the sport of football that's got to change. I mean, look, the whole idea of the danger of football has been a major topic for a long time now. That's why we have all these rules about safety and illegal hits and, um, you know, protecting not just quarterback but receivers. And and there's a thought process out there that, you know, I heard yesterday that, uh, you know, maybe it, it is time to think about protecting defensive players a little bit more than maybe is in our thought process now. Because, you know, we've talked about it for years where the running backs grab face masks way more often than people realize and get away with it way more often over the years than a defensive player does. Like, we're so pro-offensive player with the rules um, that maybe they need to change that a little bit in the focus, but again, I, I don't think this play fits into into any of that. I, I just, I don't think it was. It's a safety issue play. I just think it was a freak thing, and you just you just hope for the best uh, to to come out of it for him. And then, you know, once he's in the clear, which hopefully happens soon, then you know, then all these other issues, you know, with him and the sport, and you know, the season. You know, we can, you know, maybe get a few more answers or, or, or expound with the questions a little more and survey those issues a little more. Um, we will, we do plan on uh, a little after 1030 talking with UL men's basketball coach Bob Marlin. Like we said, things have kind of all shuffled up. It's been a weird week because we didn't have a Monday. And then yesterday was just a bizarre day and, and today got off to a, a a crazy another wacky start because of me getting caught in traffic, and so it's just I needed this week to be normal. It's been not even close to normal, but we will uh, we, we 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 will move on. So on the first two segments of the next hour. Um, Certainly feel free to give us a call on the game hotline, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. So um, tomorrow, and again, we'll talk with Coach Marlin. We've got UL men's basketball game uh, tomorrow and Saturday. Very important. The women will be on the road in Hattiesburg tomorrow. And because of everything just being all discombobulated, we're going to push Coach Broadhead back to tomorrow. So we'll be talking about them. And, you know, the women have, man, they have uphill climb. And the two tough games on the road, they went one and one at home. And so if they can get a split, that would be tremendous. But I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to, going to be tough for sure. And the men really need to get two. And uh, for right now, what they need to do is focus on a way to, to beat Southern Miss a good 13-2 and two. Southern Miss team tomorrow, and again, we'll be talking with Coach Marlin about that. Um, I, we did, I have more thoughts on the Saints game and the Saints moving forward, and we'll talk about that in, in the in the next hour, and then hopefully we can uh, 
talk with uh, with Luke as well tomorrow, uh, and get and get his thoughts about some things moving forward. But I, the one thing that anyway, we'll we'll, we'll 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 wait till the next. You know, I, there's still some things that 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 keep lingering that are frustrating, and yet it's also. Um, just good to see wins. I, I understand that wins are not everything, especially when you get eliminated. But it just makes you feel better. It, it it in one way, it's more frustrating if you get eliminated when you win, which has happened the last two seasons. At the very end of the season, last year was the last game of the year, and this year was the, the second to last game of the year where they won, and then things didn't work out on the other half that needed to work out. But um, I just. I still rather that than lose and play bad or even play well and lose and get eliminated. At least you kind of did what you were supposed to do a little bit. So I don't know. I prefer that route. All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back, finish out the first hour on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you about Trail presenting Lundy Gras Barathon on Monday, February the 20th. It's a four-mile race, walk, whatever, however you want to treat it, through Freetown just south of the parade route. Wear a costume and enjoy free drinks throughout the course. Uh, party bus will follow close behind the runners, so you can jump aboard at any time. That means you can run all of the four miles or some of it, or none of it, and just stay on the party bus. Totally up to you. The audience will vote on the winner of the costume contest, so bring your loudest, craziest friends aboard. It's the Lundy Graw Barthon. Free drinks, food, and prizes. Register now at latrail.org. All right, I brought up something with Koki that, Again, every situation is a little bit different in terms of the player and, and the teams. But it's interesting because potentially both the two programs that we talk a lot of, about the most, the Cajuns and the Tigers, are potentially in a three-quarterback situation going into the offseason and into the spring in a few months. So, like, I'm trying to try to – if you are – a one of the quarterbacks, and you potentially could consider entering the transfer portal. I guess the thought process is, is well, let me go through the spring and then see how it looks. And I guess that makes sense. Like, if you are, um, whether it's Nussmeyer or, you know, Chandler or whoever, let, let, let's see what the spring looks like. Let's see how the reps go. Let's see how the relationship in the, with the new receivers in the offense and all that goes. Let's, and, I, and then I guess you kind of get a feeling coming out of that. And if, you, if your feeling's not good, then you go into the transfer portal, whenever that is, April, May, May. And, and then – make a decision sometime over the summer. But my point was it seems like like if you're going making a lateral move, it seems like you're really putting yourself 
behind the eight ball a little bit. Maybe not to win the job, but to be able to hit the ground running if you don't go through the spring with your new team. Uh, but I guess that's tougher to do at mid-semester. So I I don't know. I, 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 it just seems like I would rather go to the new school, but may you may not want to do that at mid-semester. I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I just think now – if you are going to a place where they're just handing you the offense, they're handing you the starting job, which happens. I mean, you know, what had happened uh, this year, quite a few places in the Sun Belt and in the SEC where you get a transfer and he's the starter. Um, that, I guess, could could make sense. And yet you're still behind the eight ball a little bit in that you didn't go through the spring with the team. And you're having to play catch up, and you're really kind of having to start from scratch in the summer when a lot of things have already been done. So very, very uh, complicated. That's it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers. <clears throat> and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3-133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline again is 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. If you would like to get in. We do have some encouraging, nothing like definite, nothing official from doctors or any kind of medical officials, but friends and family members are are kind of relaying things that the news is getting better on in DeMar Hamlin's situation, and hopefully that continues. So there's uh, certainly a reason for optimism, although it was since we last spoke yesterday it did come out that they had to revive him again once he was at the hospital. So certainly not, you know, a good situation, but it sounds like the news is getting better uh, for Hamlin um, to live. And we will, that is the hope. And then you worry about the details after that once he's kind of in the clear medically. And that's what everyone is hoping and pulling and, and praying for. So there, in the meanwhile time, there are other, you know, a lot of other sports going on. People are, are making their, you know, whether it's hockey or other NFL players or basketball, a lot of people are doing a lot of the right things. And last I heard, I mean, you know, his charity is just, you know, what, six million or something. I mean, it's crazy and, uh, one of the things that was cool is that his uncle that spoke publicly was saying that when he kind of becomes aware of what's going on, he it, it's going to blow him away, uh, the support that he's gotten, which is become, I'm sure that that will be kind of overwhelming for him and, and, and really cool. So this get you know, we a lot of people argue about, load management in sports, and it's a big controversial topic. But there was a score, and we don't talk that much NBA, and we'll talk more NBA as we get closer to the playoffs. But last night, and look, 
you know me, I, I've been rooting against the Celtics my whole life. I mean, as I, I joke, you know, as a four and five year old, I knew you're supposed to not pull for the Celtics. I mean, I, I don't know how I knew that at five years old, but I did. Um, and and the Celtics are having a, a really good season so far, and that's not, you know, I don't like seeing that. But last night, they went to Oklahoma City and got beat 150 to 17. 150. Think about that. Like, how does that happen? How does arguably the best team in the NBA so far, and that, well, it's not arguable. They've been the best team in the NBA so far. Go play a team that's now five games under five. Not that they got beat. They'd have gotten beat. I wouldn't have even. I mean, it wouldn't have. It would have meant nothing. I wouldn't have even be commenting. But they didn't just get beat. They scored 117 points and got crushed. How do you score 117 points and get crushed? There's been some really weird offensive explosions lately. Like, what is going on? And you you, you hear, I heard some comments from, uh, I don't forget which one of their players, Brown maybe. I think it was from Jalen Brown. And he, and he was like, you know, we, we just didn't show up. I mean, Jalen Brown played, played 25 minutes. Tatum played 30 minutes. Harford played 22 minutes. And Smart played 26 minutes. It's not like none of them played. They gave up 150 points. Like, I mean, Oklahoma City, what was their, what did they shoot from the field? They shot almost 60%. They made 23-pointers. I don't know. It's just hard. I, I just even know. There's been some crazy, you know, um, Giannis scored 50-some points, which, you know, he's done that. That That's not alarming. I, the night, the day before, Mitchell scored 71. That's just too much offense for me. I, there's something that's, I don't know, a little kind of alarming about that. I, yeah, I, um, at some point, if it's too much, it's just like, was it last year or two years ago, all of a sudden in about a three-week period, we had like two or three no-hitters. That's just too many. Something's not right. You know, it's like red flag. Like, it's just too much offense, too much alarmingly over-the-top offensive things going on right now in the NBA. And I wonder if it's like guys are just, even if they're playing or not really engaged and then you just got to go through this little series where, you know, you just – the stretch where you're just, you know, you kind of lax, you get a little lax and, you, and you're just not into it. And then you kind of catch your second breath after the all-star break kind of thing. I mean, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but it's, it's been 150 points they gave up. And then the Bucks won 123 to 113. That's just, just way too much offense, but it is what it is. And for people that love offense, it's great. I'm not, I'm not. I like offense. I don't. I don't depend on it for the entertainment factor or for me to say it's a good game. Uh, too much offense to me ruins it. It just makes it. Uh, it's got to be an achievement. You got to earn it for me to appreciate it. But uh, and hopefully, with that said, getting back to football on Monday when they play the national championship game, I, I just hope there's some defense played. Like I just. 
if it's forty something to forty something, that, that I'll just kind of. I know if it's close and it'll be exciting, you know, like the Tulane USC game was forty six forty five. So, I mean, and you know, and it was a wacky finish. So, I'm not saying it can't be exciting that way, but it's just. I don't know. It's hard for me to say, oh, this is great football. If it's 40-something to 40-something or 50-something to 40-something, to me, that's not great football. It's just not. I know most people, oh, this is awesome. But uh, when it becomes the norm, that's not great football to me. I just don't like I don't like watching that. Anyway, the game hotline, 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. Other thing that happened locally since yesterday – we talked quite a bit when um, Trev Falk shocked a lot of people in resigning as Lafayette Christian's head football coach, and then they announced yesterday afternoon that Hunter Landry, who's been the offensive coordinator for the last two years, is the new head coach at at LCA. And I think there was some deceive. I, there were some people that kind of feel like you know that kind of got the impression from the release that the school sent out, that Trev was going to kind of still be on the staff, but that's not really true. Like, he could have a a role, whether it's in, you know, a behind-the-scenes role every now and and then, perhaps. But he's not going to be on the staff. He's not going to be an assistant coach. He's not going to be there daily. He's going to help out in a a behind-the-scenes role when he can kind of thing. That's the way that it was explained to me by, um, you know, in the interviews that I did yesterday. So, um, you know, Trev is, he's not going to be totally away from the program, but he's not going to be part of the coaching staff. Um, And so we'll see. That'll be a Hunter. uh, He spent one year as an offensive coordinator at at Brobridge where he played, graduated there like 12, 13 years ago. And so, um, you know, and the last two years they put up, you know, for a while there, LCA's offense was, you know, fairly average, and they played tremendous defense. Well, <coughs> last year they became a very different, di- a very different team where they were playing that kind of football I was just talking about. I don't really like a whole lot. I. I mean, I remember after, uh, I think it was after the Turlings game, yeah, I was like, Trev, are you okay? I mean, you know, Trev's a defensive guy. He's a defensive coordinator. Obviously, he was happy because they won and, you know, went to the state finals. But, man, it was like totally different kind of football that they were playing three and four and five years ago at LCA. And we'll see what happens in the future. But, but again, you know, Hunter's the head coach, and we'll see what happens. But it seems like they're going to be playing – that really offensive brand of football even more now. So we'll see. But just an interesting development as we uh, move forward with that program and, and, in, and in that you know exciting district. And um, we're, what, a week or two away and we'll be playing district basketball games as well. So as we uh, kind of turn the page and start getting into the second, the back half, of the basketball season, which I much prefer. I am not a tournament basketball guy. Not a tournament basketball guy at all. All right. Uh, Again, the game hotline, 337-706-0111. 
706-0111. I did say I wanted to make some Saints comments that we didn't really get to a lot yesterday. One of the things that, and I don't, it doesn't matter for this year because there's only one game left and they're already eliminated from the playoffs. But the the things that, and, and look, the, the Saints have won. They won three in a row. They're playing better. They're winning games. So, but the things that I don't like is, and 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 it came up again in in Sunday's game. One, the quarterback, Andy Dalton, he's just a sack machine. I understand they were playing without three offense starting offensive linemen, and they were playing the number one sack team in the league. <laughs> so. I get that, but sometimes all he has to do is step up in the pocket and release the football. He's a veteran. He should know how to do that. What he does almost every time is back up and get sacked. Like, why is is he still backing up and getting sacked at this point in his career? When he has all he has to do is step up in the pocket and throw the football. I don't get that. I just don't. The other thing that is just increasingly frustrating is Z28 is – it's almost like the good thing about the way they're using him is if, if he gets suspended next year, it's going to be, oh, well, it's not as bad as it was three years ago or four years ago. They don't even use him properly. He's never in space. He don't catch screens anymore. He hardly, they hardly ever throw him the ball. He's a dime. They've turned him in to a dime a dozen running back that just runs up the middle and you hope to maybe get 80 or 90 yards on him. And when he does that, it's like, oh, that's a good game. Like, no. I, I want him rushing for 60 or 70 yards and catching for 50 or 60 or 70 yards and making plays in space. They don't even try to do that anymore. I, I, I just – something's got to change about that for next year. Got to. Got to change. Win or lose, doesn't matter. That's got to change. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, good morning, Kev. Good morning, sir. I'm – it took me about a month to call in after that debacle in uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, I'm still sick about Ingram. Oh, running me out too. Of oh, I, I, I will never get over that ever. And this, and this weekend, I thought about you because on the na- on the on the national uh, stage on 103, they're still talking about him. All he had to do was just fall over the first down marker, and and the whole. The whole league would have changed, you know, the outcome of yes. the playoff deal and stuff like that. But anything, this one was a, I got three things. All right, we went over there, we beat the Eagles. Are we done playing them for like ten years? Well, I don't know, but I, you know, for a while there, it seemed like every time they, the Saints played the Bears, it was always uh, in Chicago. It, it's time for the Phillies to come to, to New Orleans. I mean, it's time for Philly to come to New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, if I hope they're done with them. But if they do play them, it's time for them to be to play down here for sure. Yes, sir. That, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Yes, uh, hopefully so. Mark, Mark Ingram, as soon as he's, they, they got him on his feet, is, are they going to cut him? Well, yeah. I mean, well, I don't think. I think he's done. I think he's going to retire. But at least that's what I expect to see. The, the interesting thing's going to be like, the bad thing about ending your career like that, like at one day they're going to put, because he's like the all-time leading rusher, so they're going to put him in the Saints Hall of Fame, and he's going to hear a lot of boos. I think there's going to be a lot of fans like you and me that are never going to get over that. I just, I don't even want to, I don't even want to hear about him going in the Saints Hall of Fame. I don't even want to hear about it. 
it's probably the first time ever, and, and, and I've been a Saints fan since the since the uh, early 60s, the late 60s, and uh, I'm telling you, that, this is one I lost sleep on, which in, in the in, in the uh, the championship game with with, the, with no flag or whatever, yeah. I, I I took that as as a look. That like you said, that's a referee deal. But this was like you, you remember an, an old boxing movie where the favorite just took a dive uh-huh. to to blow, and and that's what that's that's what came up with me with Ingram. He it's like he just took a dive. It's like. Man, what are you doing? I mean, it was one of the worst things any of us have ever seen on a football field. Yes, in our lives. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And people are still talking about it. Oh, it's it's just just... awful. All right. I'll let somebody else get in. I appreciate it. Thank you for the call, sir. Happy New Year. All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. I want to remind you now that you've used your Amazon Alexa and Google Home smart speaker for Christmas and you're using it to make your life easier, add your radio listening to that list. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with you. Home office wherever you go. All right. Again, the game hotline is 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. We will uh we 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 talked again a little bit about the weekend but not a lot. So, if you would like to have, you know, even though it's a Wednesday, kind of treated a little more like a Monday and have any thoughts about any of the games for the weekend, that's still in play because, again, we didn't have a show Monday. Yesterday was a really bizarre show. Everyone was just – and everyone is still concerned about Hamlin's health. No question about that. But at least we're starting to get some good news and some reason to believe that he's going to get out of this uh, okay. Uh, we'll find out later what kind of football career, but no one's worried about his football career right now. We're worried about him – personally and and, and 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 surviving and living. So hopefully um, we continue to get good news there. But um, the, getting getting back to the Saints, which we didn't get to talk much about yesterday or didn't feel comfortable talking a great deal about it yesterday, um, it was certainly great to see that's day one, Marshawn Lattimore back. Um, they... Still, I still think they leaned a little bit too much on the defense and and how the defense was playing, and they've got to get out of that. Like, I really think what happened this season, and, and in a lot of ways the Saints season has made zero sense and has been a complete mess, okay? I get that. But I think what happened 
was Dennis Allen's obviously a defensive-minded coach. And I think he chose Andy Dalton over Jameis because he thinks Andy Dalton was going to make fewer mistakes, which is probably accurate. But he was going to be able to lean on the defense. Well, that was a disaster the first half of the season because the defense, for whatever reason, was terrible the first half of the season. Um, in the last eight games, the defense is actually, I heard a stat over the weekend, they're actually like number three in the NFL defensively in the last eight weeks. So the the defense that they had the first, the last eight weeks is kind of what he was basing the philosophy of his season on. And it backfired because the defense wasn't good the first half. So you couldn't play to your defense when the unit wasn't playing good defense. But 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 I, I, I think me and a lot of other Saints fans were thinking this was going to be more of an offensive football team, and, and, and Andy Dalton's just not going to be the quarterback on a really good offensive football team because he's not that kind of quarterback. But, but again, the problem with him, and, and it's so frustrating because he's played better than I thought he would, and he has not played poorly. He's played okay. But the problem with him is you don't, you don't – you don't get a lot of deep balls with him. And he's not great under pressure just throwing the dump-off pass. Why? Like, just throw the dump-off pass. Like, he's not good at that either. What he likes to do is get sacked. So he instead of throwing to a wide-open receiver for two yards, he prefers to get sacked. That guy just frustrates me. I mean, it's just incredibly frustrating. But... um. They've, they're they're, they're going to have to get better offensively. And the personnel is there. They've just got – like, they, they throw a deep pass to Shahid for like, what was that, 48, 49 yards, whatever it was, around 50 yards. And then that's it. They don't throw one other deep pass the rest of the game. Like, when, when you say, well, we need to throw deep, that doesn't mean you throw deep every play or every other play, but can you throw deep once a quarter? Like, at least once a half – we're not asking like like I want Batman to throw more. Like, can he at least throw five times or six times? I'm not asking him to throw the ball twenty times, but almost every time he throws the ball, it's a completion, and and almost every time the receiver's wide open. I wonder why that is. So again, you can't do it all the time. But, like, two or three passes in a game is just not enough. Not enough. Especially when your offense in the second half does nothing. So, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I know there are a lot of people that want Dennis Allen out. I understand. And I don't think Dennis Allen's going anywhere. I don't think he is. But if he stays, he's got, he's got to understand. You, you, you can't play the whole season. You you. There's too much offensive potential on this team to play like, you know, you got to try to win the games 10 to 7 or 14 to 10. First of all, it's too hard to do that all the time, especially if your defense is only going to play good half the season. They have got to figure something out on offense. And I think the potential is there, but they've got to use the guys better. I mean, there's no question the talent is there. They're not using them well. Now, if the defense – had played the first half of the season 
similar to how it's played the second half of the season, the Saints would have run away. That strategy would have worked. They would have a winning record, and they would have already clinched a division title. That I mean, that would have happened easily. Because, th- so you can see that what he was plan, what I believe he was planning, would have worked if the defense had played the first half of the season like it played the second half of the season. But when that didn't happen, you have to adjust, and I, they didn't adjust well enough. They just didn't, and he didn't have he didn't have the right quarterback in there to adjust to that kind of offense. Or at least he didn't force Andy Dalton into saying, okay, look, Cat, if you're going to play, you have to throw down the field some. And you got to stop backing up and taking sacks. Because that, I mean, if you're going to play the field position game, sacks is not good for field position. So they got a lot of big decisions to make in the offseason, even if they keep Andy, I mean, Dennis Allen, which I think they're going to do. Um, and obviously one of them's the quarterback. Um, you know, Granderson down the stretch has played great. What does that mean? What do you do with that? Well, obviously Davenport's gone. He, you know, I, I stuck with him and stuck with him and stuck with him, and he just flamed out and was a huge disappointment. And uh, who knows what they're going to get with Peyton Turner, and he at least played this past weekend. Um, but you know they, they they've got the biggest issue is they got to figure out the defensive line. They've got to get another running back, but that's not hard to do. I mean, it's just not hard to do. I, uh, you just have to do it. They had countless options to get a. An, they don't need a great NFL running back, but they had countless options. They they could have kept Latavius Murray or at least done a you know a better job of trying to keep them and they had countless options to get other running backs countless and they just they just passed on all of them they didn't need anybody great I mean you know Benjamin had a couple nice runs if they'd have gotten him you know two months ago he might be decent by now but they have got to reevaluate how they use the personnel that they have on offense because again they have two really exciting young receivers on this game, on this team. Really exciting young receivers. And they've got a young tight end who had a really nice season and another one that had a a, a solid season. There's a And, and you've got four to five first-round picks on your offensive line, depending on who you keep and, and get rid of or potentially get rid of. The, the, all the personnel is there, but you got to use it better. I mean, they – it's got to, their offensive personnel has got to be used better. The personnel is there. Defensively, the personnel is there at cornerback and linebacker. If you keep most of them, linebackers turn out to be way better than we ever thought it was going to be. But they, they've got to figure out what they're going to do at safety and figure out and beef up the defensive line. How disappointing is that? We're going into yet another draft, and, and probably what they need to pick is defensive linemen. Like, you got to be kidding me. That's where we still are after all the defensive linemen they picked in the first round in recent years. They still got to do more of it, which is a disappointment, but it is what it is. I just know Andy Dalton better not be the starting quarterback next year. He better not be, but it's probably possible. And if he does, this captain needs to learn how to step up in the pocket and throw the football. Stop backing up and getting sacked. Stop it. That's stupid. 
You're a veteran. You should be figure out how to do that by now. All right. We'll take a timeout, and we'll shift gears on the other side of this timeout. Talk Cajun basketball with UL men's basketball head coach Bob Marlin next on the game. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Oh, pleasure cruise. Pleasure Cruise. Now, a sports career where things seemingly came easy as the player was surrounded by the best players, the best coaches, and caught all the breaks. Also known as Tom Brady's career. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Right now we're talking Cajun men's basketball. The Cajuns got off to an unfortunate 0-2 start on the road, but they return home tomorrow night. Cajun home to start off a home weekend with a blockbuster-type game in the Sun Belt in that they're play, playing a 13-2 team with a great opportunity to to get some momentum back right away. And we have with us UL men's basketball coach, Bob Marlin. How are you, coach? Doing good, Kevin. How about you? Well, hanging in there, trying to adjust to this new year and kind of, a you know, the New Year's a weekend. And then, you know, the whole sports world has been kind of um, in a daze since the Monday night thing. And so it's um, it's been a weird week. I mean, how has it been like in practice for y'all this week? Well, it's been good. We, we're we looking forward to the new year. We didn't play very good in the two games on the road at the end of the uh, 22 year. And we've had good practices. We we got back uh, Sunday night and Sunday late afternoon, about 5 o'clock, and then wound up uh, doing individual work and watching a lot of film and meeting with the guys on Monday. And then Tuesday, we had a great practice uh, yesterday. So, we're, we're back in the saddle, and, and the guys are, are looking forward to Thursday. Coach, I'm a big rivalry guy, and I think y'all rivalry with Georgia State is probably, if not number one in the top two or three rivals of all Cajun sports that, that you know, men and women, uh, I think it's been a great rivalry for the last eight or nine years. And I could really see this Southern Miss rivalry you know, five years down the road or whatever, really growing. Uh, it seemed like there's a lot of potential there for really being a nice series for the future. Yeah, teams that we played in the past, and we played them over there last year at their place, actually, right after they announced they were joining the Sun Belt, and uh, they're a totally different team this year. They only brought back three guys from last year's team. But I think it can definitely turn into a rivalry, the closeness of it. Uh, we recruit some of the same players from, from our standpoint, and I'm sure the other sports do too. So uh, I think it will be a good rivalry down the road and one that uh, our fans can look forward to. All right, so this game is um... – Obviously, the plan was to be 2-0 and or at least 1-1 one one going into it. But in, in many ways, because it's not that, it's even bigger. So talk about the matchup and what they do well and, and, and how you match up with, with, the, with what Southern Miss has done so well. Well, they've got off to a good start. Uh, they, they have two transfers, uh, Austin Crowley 
uh, who leads the league in scoring at 23-and-a-half a game, leads the league in steals at two-and-a-half a game. And then uh, Philippe Haas is another transfer that has really made an impact. He's about a 6'10 shooter, can really do some things with the basketball, very skilled. And those two guys have really made their team solid. They got off to a great start, uh, beat Vanderbilt at Bandy, beat Liberty at Liberty. Uh, and and they're playing well. And they play two home games. They beat Troy. They beat App State, both in pretty close games in Hattiesburg. Uh, and they're very efficient on offense. And they're also leading the league in uh, turnover margin, Kevin, at, at plus four. And I think we're fourth in the league at plus one. So we're going to have to value the ball in this game. The other thing that I think, you know, you know, you look at the box scores. I mean, everything went about like you've played and won most of your games in the first in your conference opener at Coastal. And yet it just didn't quite happen at the end. And it seemed like the biggest thing that has to happen is just getting more stops. So is there one or two things in practice that y'all that you've identified that are working on to just get a little better defensively to go with the good shooting you've done so far? Well, no, we have. We worked hard on defense this week. We're, we're, we're going to continue to, to go at that today and explore and then also try to get better at playing on uh, a better pace on offense from an execution standpoint. But we didn't shoot the ball good in either game, Kevin, and that, that hurt us. And then we were out free throw 46-22 to 22 in the two games. And, th- and that's the real reason we lost. We had less turnovers. Uh, we shot better percentages, uh, certainly from the free throw line. And we rebounded the ball okay, but we just had breakdowns at the wrong time defensively. And I'll give you both examples that this is how close it is to winning and losing. With with a minute and a half to go at Coastal Carolina, they have a young man that, that we changed defenses to try to slow him down. They'd been getting the paint. We and they have a young man that jumps up and shoots a three, the shot we want at the end of the shot clock, and it was his first three of the year, and he made it. If he misses that shot, we probably win. you know. And, and on top of that, that tied the score. So once we got down the baseline, 20, the ball gets knocked out at 20 seconds. The call's our ball. They go to the monitor and give them the ball, and then they call a foul and let them shoot a free throw to win the game. Unbelievable, um, yeah. And then, and then against Old Dominion, we played good the first about seven or eight minutes of the game and then played poor the last four or five minutes of the first half, first couple of minutes of the second half, and then we poured it on. We got hot shooting the ball. Greg Williams made three threes. Joe Charles made one. Uh, Jalen Dalcourt made one. We started rallying, and we got it to two with a minute 35 to go. And they at the end of the shot clock, they hit a very difficult, challenged three. Uh, to put them up five. So either one of those shots miss, I think we win both games. But that's the, the fine line, and we've just got to get more consistent on both sides of the ball. All right, you bring up some interesting issues. One of them is the whole free throw shooting. Some of that is, you know, I've heard for years, it's just harder on the road in college basketball. I still don't quite totally grasp all of that. But is it is it as simple as – being able to go inside more or, or, or like, what do you do as a coach? Because, like, you don't, you can't afford to get out free throw to attempt 46 to 22 every two games. It's too hard to win that way. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're first in the league in free throw percentage at 80-something percent. 
yet we're 13th in the league in free throws attempted. And we've always taken pride. We've always scored a lot of points. Uh, going back to the NCAA team in 2014, we were good at getting to the basket and getting free throw opportunities. So we have to be more aggressive, put the onus on the official, go at the, the player in transition, drive the ball without charging. Um, and then we, we'll continue to throw it inside, Kevin, and that's one thing that we do. I believe Jordan drew 10 fouls at Coastal Carolina, and then we felt like he got fouled three or four times in, in, in the game at Old Dominion that was not called. And he's one of the leaders in the country in fouls drawn. So uh, just got, got to have a little bit better luck and make sure that we guard without putting the other team on the free throw line. All right. Again, we're speaking with UL men's basketball coach Bob Marlin, whose Cajuns are going to be playing uh, one of the teams tied for first place very early in the Sunbelt Conference season, but a 13-2 Southern Miss team. 7 o'clock, Cajun Dome tomorrow. Should be a really good matchup. All right, the other thing that happened on the road from a positive standpoint is that Kobe Julian returned. Tell us what you saw from him and how encouraging and, and how long will it take to kind of maybe build up his minutes. He did a good job. He's been focused and ready to play since the uh, middle of December, and, and he said, let's do it. Uh, he came out, and I thought he gave a really good effort, and he didn't shoot the ball the way he's been shooting it in practice, but he did hit a big two-point uh, basket for us at Coastal late in the game, and uh, he's a guy that uh, I think we kind of shook the, the rust off a little bit, Kevin, and, and hopefully he'll play much better this week. It, to me, one of the things that I, I just, as as a person who's obviously never coached basketball, one of the things that watching games, to me, that can be so difficult from my perception for a coach is you got guys like Joe Charles and Jalen Dalcourt who in stretches play outstanding and then, you know, they're not starters and so they're, they're playing time and their minutes can, can fluctuate. So how do you, how challenging is it to give them enough minutes to keep them in some sort of rhythm because you know that you need those guys to win games here and there, even though they're not starters. And yet, if their minutes fluctuate, it's hard to stay in a rhythm. That just sounds like a complicated process. Well, it can be. And you've got to have a good rotation uh, among your lineup that, that is going to contribute. It's harder to play more than nine guys. I mean, nine or ten guys is about the max. A lot of coaches only play eight players. Uh, you know, a couple of teams in our league this this weekend played seven players. That's it. Right. So heavy minutes. And but you try to you try to spread around and use your team. I mean, we've got a deep team, and we look at Joe and Jalen as starters, Kevin, uh, and and our book and. We expect them, you know, Kobe Julian's in the same boat. I mean, he's an all-conference preseason pick, made all-conference last year. So we feel like we've got eight starters, eight or nine starters right there, and just how we rotate the minutes. Whoever's playing well during the game is going to continue to play. And how much right now where you are is the defensive side of that in that decision-making process? Uh, both ways. Uh, we, we have to be able to score the ball. We're not going to win zero to, to two. So we've got to be able to score the ball. Uh, but defensively, it does come into play, especially late in the games, Kevin, in special situations. We, we certainly believe in Joe. Uh, he's one of our best defensive players, and he's, he's 
stepped up to the occasion on, on many nights. All right, so obviously you're playing a team that doesn't turn over, like you mentioned earlier, at least the the, the, interno, the league in turnover margin, and, and, and you all are also been very good at that. So you, you don't want to turn over the ball. You most for the most part did your did okay job, like you said, in rebounding. So is it really about making shots and and just playing well defensively in critical possessions to win this game, or what is the key to more? Yeah, I, I, all of what you said, Kevin. Low turnover. Uh, we we need to be the better defensive team. Uh, we need to make shots, and then we got to make plays at the end of the game. I mean, how many of these games? Both of ours came down to the the last two minutes and that's conference play that's what you expect uh and crazy things can happen so you have to be able to finish finish the game and and just play better as a group for a longer period of time well um again this is a game that if you get it and 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 then you we haven't even really had time but we won't have time to touch on saturday but i know georgia state's got a new coach and they're kind of in a transition period but it's still ul versus georgia state which is always a great game so this could really uh uh, be a turnaround weekend for y'all it seems yeah we're glad to be at home and as we tell the players it doesn't matter where we're playing uh the team that plays the best is going to win and uh, but we are glad to be back on home home court against uh, Southern Miss and Georgia State, and uh, we, we're looking to get back in the saddles. We said earlier and, and get a couple of wins behind us as we have to go back out for four more games in a row uh, next week. Absolutely. Well, Coach, we appreciate your time very much. Look forward to seeing y'all at the Cajun Dome tomorrow, seven o'clock. Good luck to y'all. Thanks, Kevin. All right. UL men's basketball coach Bob Marlin. No, it's um the, the whole idea of we got to get to the free throw line, and you you hear well they they didn't get calls in a row, which seems to happen all the time. I, I again I know I'm a I, I harp on this, but I don't quite get that. Uh, I still will never understand that. I still like like verbalize, look in the mirror, and say you're not gonna get that call on the road, which I hear all the time. You're, the road team is not going to get that call. What does that mean? Think about it now. What does that mean? And so, no, it's going to be very important. they got to get to the free throw line because they have done a better job. And I was talking early on that Jordan needed to make free throws. He's, for the most part, made his free throws. And like he said, they shot a higher percentage than both teams in those two losses. But getting out free throw attempted 46-22, wow. That's that's a dramatic difference, and somehow that's got to change. We'll see if they can do that this weekend in these two games at the Cajun Dome. Uh, again, appreciate Coach Marlin coming on. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Appreciate Coach Marlin coming on. It, it is a big game. And, and if the Cajuns can win these two home games, it, it doesn't wipe away two losses, but it puts them in pretty good position. Like it, they give themselves a chance to fight back and get some confidence back, maybe get in a little. <laughs> A little bit of a rhythm. I, I um, 
They need to get to the free throw line, no question. They need to um, just play better defense. The thing that's, when you look at statistics, the thing that's dramatic in this matchup, Southern Miss leads the conference in field goal percentage defense. The Cajuns are dead last in field goal percentage defense. So they've got to play better defense and um, not give up so many open shots. No question. That's something that they've got to improve on. Um, Because Southern Miss is not going to make it easy. But the Cajuns need need a win, kind of to Coach Marlin's point. They need to win this game because it's at home and it's a big game. And sometime if you're a good team, and I think the Cajuns are a good team, if you're a good team and you're playing at home, you got to win, especially when you when you started out 0-2. You just have to find a way to win at home, and hopefully they can do that. And then, again, if they can beat Georgia, if they can win these two games, it can turn the early season perception and some of the negative thoughts that are going on. But, but but I mean, if you start out 1-3 or 1-4, it's just hard – it just you, you give yourself such an uphill climb. Now again, we understand that it's all about one weekend in March, but still you want to be in the best possible position for that point when you get to that point. And so hopefully they can come out tomorrow night and play really well, uh, get a big win against a thirteen and two team. That would be tremendous. Um And so we'll see what happens. Uh, You know, again, I I think it's going to be a a really interesting game, and hopefully it's a pretty good crowd. I understand that the crowd's probably not, you know, just experienced, kind of tells you that when you, if they'd have won these two games, the crowd would be bigger and there'd be a little more of a buzz. But uh, I I think it's going to be a really good game and a great matchup. And in the bigger picture, like I talked, asked Coach Marlin at the beginning that I think it could be the beginning of a really nice rivalry. And this this program and this entire athletic department needs as many rivalries, in my opinion, as possible. And I think this could be the start of a great one. Appreciate all the phone calls and Raymond sticking with me at the beginning. Y'all have a nice day.